Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Welcome to another episode of 52 Pearls, the weekly money wisdom podcast. This is Melissa Fradenberg in the Gross Point office. And today we have Anthony Urbani and Jennifer Adelhawk. Anthony is an attorney with Urbani and Marshall PC. They practice family law, criminal defense, trust, wills, probates, and business litigation. Welcome, Anthony. Nice to have you here today. Thank you so much. Uh, very nice being here and honored to be here and uh, try to participate in a way that can help your uh, viewers. Thank you so much. And Jennifer Adelhawk with Adelhawk and Associates, a realtor and also an attorney as well. And we are here today to talk about the financial pitfalls of the divorce process. Thank so. you very much as well. And I'm glad to have introduced Mr. Urbani. Thank you so much. So, we were talking today about how we can really help people who are either considering the divorce process or maybe already started the divorce process. So let's start with you, Anthony. What are, um, in your 38 years of experience, so I just want to address that because that is very impressive. I'm sure you've seen a lot of stuff. I have uh, over 6,000 divorces. That is quite impressive. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure you, through your experience, you've seen quite a bit. If, if you can narrow it down, we only have about 20 minutes in this okay. podcast. <laughs> well, it's, it's a process. Divorce is a process. So the first thing's first, someone decides in our state whether or not the marriage is out the window. Uh, you don't need fault in our state. It's no fault. So someone decides to come in an office or represent themselves, and then you take an inventory list of assets and liabilities. More often times than not, one party doesn't know all the assets and liabilities, so uh, you have to protect them immediately. We have two... Uh, items in our arsenal that uh, allows that protection. We can have an injunctive order signed by the judge immediately that stops anyone from doing bad things with the assets like uh, selling, conveying, stealing, destroying, getting rid of them, that kind of stuff. And the other thing is just maintaining a, um, maintaining the financial status quo so that people keep doing what they're doing. Can I interrupt you real quick, just yep. um, for our listeners, go back. So are those things that you only file if you suspect that the other person might do something nefarious. Exactly, exactly correct. And uh, you have to allege in your complaint a reason for asking the court for that kind of relief. Um, so if you sit down with somebody who uh, either is served with divorce papers or wants to file for divorce, I'm trying to find the right language. I know just enough to be dangerous, but um, if that is the case and they maybe don't know, because a lot of times in my position as a financial advisor who works primarily with women, uh, they often don't know. And either maybe a case of financial abuse or whether is purposely assets being hidden or just not something they're interested in knowing about during the course of their marriage. So when it comes to divorce, they just don't know where things are or where to find what assets. Well, if they don't allege that they, their spouse is that kind of person, bad person to begin with, then you have to file without that 
that protection okay. and then wait for that to happen. And we have an arsenal in our arsenal things called discovery processes. So we can subpoena bank accounts, we can subpoena retirement accounts, we can get what we call interrogatories. We send questions to the other side under oath to say, where is this, where is that? And give us ID, give us documents, production of documents, all that kind of stuff. So we can have a paper trail uh, to determine this 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 big circle of assets and liabilities. And then once the once you've figured out the puzzle, if it is a puzzle, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> once all the pieces are in, once you have that, and there's the time to make a decision or figure out. I mean, one of the biggest things I do when I sit down with women is to figure out what exactly they want, yeah. right? Because yeah. that's if you don't know what you want to ask for, that's always tough. Um, well, that's what gets murky, right? Because then. The client sometimes tells you what they want, and your job is to tell them the advice based on all the experience you have on what makes sense. So that's where uh, my good friend Jennifer, and you can come in because someone may want a house, keep the house and whatever have you, and either they can't afford it or it's really not the right thing for them to have, but they just do it because they don't want the other person to have the house. With regard to your end, with yeah, regard spite. to assets. Yeah, <laughs> that was spite. Oh, yeah, yes. that's alive and well. <laughs> Uh, the other idea is with your end as well, and you can chime in on this, and that is that when you divide the assets up, what are the tax consequences of those divisions? And like kind, you know, one guy wants a retirement, one guy wants a house, but then there's a tax impact of the retirement having the penalty and early withdrawal and that kind of stuff. So you have to be very careful and, and surround yourself with experts like yourself and like Jennifer to make sure that your client hears it from experts and knows the right thing to do. Uh, you can go to sleep at night with both eyes closed. If they still make a bad decision, you gave them the advice that's necessary to make a good decision. Mm -hmm. Now, I feel like as, as the attorney, though, your job is to say maybe what they're entitled to or what they could conceivably expect. That's an area that I don't touch because I, I'm not, you know, I always say I'm not an attorney, so I can't tell you what you might expect. I can tell you what I've seen. <laughs> I can give you the name of a good attorney, but um, that's where where you come in. And and obviously on a podcast, you can't give legal advice to that extent. It's a, a very individual case by case basis. But yeah, it is. It's all this word called equity, which is fairness. But there's three real elements in a divorce that all tie into each other. So the nice divorce, so to speak, is one that only has uh, no children. So all we have to talk about is division of property. And the real nice ones of those are people who make about the same amount of money, so we don't have to talk about spousal support. The uh, the very tougher ones, as it were, are time-consuming. That you deal with custody, you deal with spousal support, and you deal with property. Now all of those tie into each other, and you got yourself a nice uh, a workload in front of you on that particular case. Yeah. Now, what about marital property? Yep. That's a big one too, right? So if they were... You better believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so we hear that all the time. I put 20000 into this house than I came into the marriage with, and uh, or I made more money. More oftentimes when people get divorced, we hear that, well, she stayed home and didn't work, or he stayed home and didn't work, so I earned $1 million during the divorce. I should get half of that back. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and also, uh, the courts have a fairness thing where even if you have so-called um, premarital or separate property. We have a line of cases, and I'm not going to cite them to you, but says that the court has a right to go into your separate property or premarital property, bring it into the marriage if it's fair. 
i.e., I'm a millionaire and you're, you're, you know, coming to the marriage with nothing. And, but I let you go in my yachts, be in my house, and drive my Rolls Royces and all that. And all of a sudden I get divorced and leave you with nothing. And the court says, wait a minute, that's not quite fair. So if I become accustomed to exactly. riding on your yacht, then maybe I'm entitled to some of that. Exactly. And the longer that happens. So, you know, you and I get divorced or separated, you know, 30 years into the marriage when all this stuff that's mine, you help. You maintained it. You contributed to it. You're my partner, so to speak, my life partner. And all of a sudden, I chopped that off. Well, the court looks at that with a, a fair eye and says, we're going to talk a little differently than it being all your separate property. Interesting. Is there like a magic number of years that? Nope. Okay. I often hear that. You know, I hear that in passing, mostly from women, I will say. I'm going to... I'm going to tough it out until the kids go to college or something like that, because then it'll be X amount of years. And, and I didn't know if that, I've never heard that from a lawyer, but I didn't know if there's like a magic number. Of, fairness. It's all fairness. Except for two items. Uh, if you're married 10 years, you automatically get a social security vested interest in the husband, as you know. Uh, the other one is if you're in the military, you got to be in the military for 10 years and married for 10 years during that time to get the military benefits. Other than that, can be one second. I got divorced. I got permanent spousal support for a lady who was married for only six months. And the reason for it is she acquired MS during the marriage and she became very debilitated very fast. And the court said to the guy, it's so sad. You got some bad luck. You married a lady who got sick immediately. And, and sickness and in health, right? Isn't that it. part of the vows? You're paying for it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I still feel bad for her. That's good that you got her that support, but that stinks. So it's factors. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're looking at equity. It's very interesting. Important. All right. So now, Jen, do you want to touch on, uh, I know this comes up all the time. More often than not, one of the things I help with is figuring out what you can afford as far as the housing. Um, and oftentimes women do want to keep the house. And I find it's, you know, you and I are both moms and it's wanting to keep for our children, keep that, you know, something consistent, consistent, so they don't have the same, you know, uprooting and, and it's that mom guilt that we feel every day right. for every decision we make from the second we wake up. Mm -hmm. um, can you touch on that? Some of the things you might want to think about when you're thinking about whether you can, whether you should sell the house or stay in the house. Some of the maybe financial factors there. Well, obviously, I would look into your budget, what you can afford, um, what your, you know, your support's going to be, your alimony support, or your child support is going to be to help you out, maybe make those payments. Also consider your taxes. A lot of people forget about the tax, especially in gross points. Sometimes we can have a little bit higher taxes. Um, and you need to take that into consideration as well. And it might be good for the kids for a year or two to stay in the marital home. Um, but in most cases, it's a much larger house. And I would suggest to people that they downsize so they're not so financially overwhelmed when they go through the divorce process. It's already emotionally overwhelming, but you don't want to have that extra drain um, financially. So I would recommend downsizing and just again, having smaller payments that you have. So you usually get on your feet, you're starting a new job perhaps, or you're going back to work. You know, you need to have that um, not overwhelming feeling. Yeah, I think if you can show up as your best self for your children, that's probably better in the long run than... Right, and you don't you don't want to get in a situation where it might end up in foreclosure or something too, where you can't afford the payments, you're not getting help anymore from your spouse. Um, and you're, this is the first time you're managing your own budget. That might be difficult, so to go into a smaller house a more accommodating with lower taxes is usually a better path. For sure, that's great advice. And two factors on our end relative to the housing thing is if the wife or the husband wants a house, 
they have to refinance to remove the other person's name from the underlying mortgage. Uh, so that requires certain kind of income, certain kind of equity, that kind of stuff. The other thing is we're getting back to spite when a person wants to keep the house and they later find out that was a bad decision that Jennifer and myself told her was a bad decision, him, that was a bad decision. And now they sell the house where they paid the spouse equity based on no commission. And now that they have to sell the house because of their bad decision, Jennifer's commission now is 100% their own. Their spouse, who's now an ex-spouse, didn't participate in that cost of sale that's now all on their shoulders. And in addition, too, you might want to look at the time of the market. If the market's really high and you can get a great mm -hmm. number for your house, definitely sell it and cash out right now and split it evenly. You're most of the time going to be doing that um, and get a smaller house versus staying in that large house, which maybe a year from now, you can't get the same price for it and you're stuck. Right. So you're going to have to split the equity based on today's high price mm -hmm. with your soon-to-be ex-spouse. So you're going to pay them out in assets in some form, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. And then the house may not be worth that when you go to sell it. Plus you pay the commission. Plus the commission. Right. And you're paying the taxes on the bigger house over right. that time period that you own it. And there's bigger repairs potentially, especially here in Girls Point. You don't know. Right. Flooded basements. Tree falls in your house. You never know. This is true. <laughs> this could happen. And, and if you don't make it, those payments, then your then your credit rating goes down and now getting a new mortgage becomes a problem on the new house that you should have had the whole time. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So that's definitely something that I help people with is to try and figure out what that new normal is, what that new budget will be based off of what they can expect. And certainly something that good financial planning and future planning can really help with. So I see that every day and that's super helpful and certainly worth working with a realtor and a good attorney that can really. And timing is very important because some people talk to a real estate person or a financial planner after the divorce mm -hmm. and say, here, I've got a million dollars, help me. Well, that planner and that real estate person should have been involved during the divorce process to guide them on a proper solution with the division of assets and with regard to the tax consequences as well. Right. And I know you touched on it before. Another um, pitfall, if you will, that I see people make is in that valuation of assets, what is worth what? So Correct. if you have retirement assets, especially in the form of a Roth, right, that is worth a lot more money <laughs> than equity in a home because you can't just put that money away tax deferred in a lump sum like that. So to be able to look at that balance sheet and say this is worth more than this is something that um, is overlooked. Right. And, and I think it, one thing, and I don't want to say this is just women, I think men are probably the same way, but I feel like when you're going through the divorce process, there is an emotional fog. You just, it's like a decision. You're tired of making decisions. You're emotional. You're drained. You're probably not sleeping well. You're stressed out, whether you want the divorce or not. So to add that layer of that, when you're making these huge decisions that are going to have such an impact, the uh, importance of working with a team of professionals to really help give you that clarity mm -hmm. is um, so important. So I have a saying that when you're inside the bottle, you can't read the label. I like that one. When you're inside the bottle, you can't read the label. I might mm -hmm. steal that. All yours. <laughs> but I think too, as what, what you're saying, it's important to seek out those professionals prior to even filing and serving your spouse because that's when the emotions really start. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I I feel like there's a mountain. You you kind of get to that top of the mountain, and then I like to 
meet with people again and just see how they're progressing, where there's more clarity and more understanding and really they're capable. And it's almost like this triage, you know, like let's fix first, you got to make these decisions and we can planning is a process where we, you know, add on as we go, but there's certain things you have to make a decision on. I think the house is one of the biggest things you have to decide. Are you going to sell it? If somebody's thinking about it, you could go in and offer an idea of what they could sell it for, right? Market analysis, yes. Is that something that you do for free? Yes, of course. Okay. So that's something that I think is really important because often people look at Zillow or one of these websites Mm -hmm. that's, especially in this area, not super accurate. Mm -hmm. So when they're trying to figure out what the the value of their house is Mm -hmm. or... I'll have people tell me, but like, we had a, you know, we just put in a sprinkler system and evaluated. As important to that, Jennifer, as uh, Grace killed that, is that you figure in not only the, what the house sells for, but the cost of sale. So she puts into the client's hands all the costs that people may not understand with regard to title insurance, transfer taxes, and the like. And and here it is. The, here's the sale price. Here's the mortgage price. And here's all the costs. So the bottom line is this is the net sale proceeds that you're going to receive. Right. That's the very important line that people got to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this would be the amount that you split. Right. Mm-hmm. And in certain markets, people are coming to the table with money. Not this market right now, most of the time, but other markets, people were coming to the table. And you want to be splitting that with your spouse and not coming to the table on your own. Right. Financially with money. It's also important to get an idea of what else is out there, too. Mm-hmm. And maybe if, if you can't live in the same school district, you know, what other areas might be more affordable and you know, what, what sacrifices you have to make. Mm-hmm. Anything else? What, uh, what other things am I forgetting about here? Because I feel like 38 years of experience, I'm sure you've seen something really interesting. Anything well, there's, really a thing, there's a thing called qualified domestic relations order. And that, what that means is, is that one of the parties sometimes has pension benefits, although that's fading now because of the way the world is. But uh, the pension benefits don't pay you a gross amount. They pay you a certain amount of monthly, and depending on how old you are and when you get it and that kind of stuff. So that's a factor as well. You have to figure out and to uh, determine what your income is going to be based on your share of the spouse's pension. So uh, we send it to actuarialists to determine that amount. And it's a mathematical game called coverture and all that kind of stuff and numerator, denominator, and so many years of service versus how long you've been married. But that's an aspect of the retirement benefits to split as well. Yeah. And that is, I would say, uh, within that process, that is a common pitfall where that process may not get started. So it might be in the divorce decree, but somebody actually needs to make that phone call to get it started. <laughs> so. yeah, that's a big thing. And, and, yeah. and I had a case once where the person died before the order was entered. And they, under that rule, they lost the right to the benefits because the order wasn't entered before the person died. It had to be employed to divide the assets. That's a shame. I do find that there are people who have been divorced for a few years and have not. <laughs> they just hand me the decree and I'm like, hey, did you? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, What's that's that? great advice. Exactly. One of the aspects of financial things is forgetting about all the assets and liabilities for a moment. In comes this little, you know, the elephant in the room about spousal support. And now when we figure out what the assets and liabilities are and you've had a certain lifestyle and there's certain income there and you don't have it. So now we figure in what amount of spousal support for how long are you entitled to based on that relationship and how does that figure in your financial picture?
And that's where, once again, you people come in as financial to tell this person, well, this is what you're going to need on a monthly basis. This is the income stream we can get you with your retirement benefits or whatever income you have, uh, interest or uh, dividends, but then you're going to need this to live. And that's why sometimes you don't want that extra large house. You want a smaller house just so you can still take a vacation now and then and still live a little bit of that lifestyle that you had before without being hit hard with that large mortgage payment every month. Right. Right. More Mm -hmm. income. And now what about um, temporary maintenance? Or uh, I find sometimes in the divorce process, it can be long. And I found several times where um, typically women maybe who don't work or earn a lot less, don't ask for it. And that, that always hurts me because I feel like they're struggling to make ends meet during the divorce process. And um, how does that work? Very good question. So we have a tool called the maintenance of the financial status quo. So you have to balance yourself with whether to keep things as they are, like marriage did not, I mean, divorce didn't get started. So you just get an order entered that says, whatever you've done before this divorce gets started is what you keep doing financially. So you put your money in a joint account, direct deposit, whatever the deal is, the wife makes the payments, the husband makes the payments, whatever you do, you keep doing. That's the maintenance of financial status quo. If for some reason that doesn't work out either because of domestic violence or because people separate now the financial so-called status quo changes, well, then you do exactly what you said and say, well, now they aren't living the way they are beforehand that they are now. So we need spousal support on an interim or temporary basis. Okay. And that um, you can get that right away after you file or what is the... Well, whenever the need arises, but then it depends on the judge or the circumstances, whether it happens right away, when I say right away, whenever you get yourself in front of the judge, or whether the judge requires a hearing, we call it an evidentiary hearing or a motion hearing or something, where the judge has to hear more facts to determine what that amount should be. Okay. Yeah, I think that's important for people to know um, that that's available, I guess. Um and again, I often meet with people before they have filed, uh, before they, they're just thinking about it. And in my experience where women maybe don't work or yep. don't work as much and they're primarily taking care of the kids or maybe they spent a long time taking care of the kids and their husband's the breadwinner. And, and so they've spent so long out of the workforce that they really maybe work in a boutique or do something kind of a hobby job. They may want to get divorced, but the financial thing is really keeping them from it. And so that's where I really try to help women know what their options are, that there are resources that they don't have to, their options aren't, you know, file for divorce and eat ramen noodles every night, right? I mean, there, our legal system is set up to protect that. Both men and women are so frightened financially because it's a uncertain human nature is to be frightened of the uncertain. So I always bring my clients a little uh, card that says, we'll work for food and says, you know, here, if I do a bad job as your lawyer, here's a little sign <laughs> for you. We'll work for food. And that's it. That's exactly what I'm afraid of, they said. <laughs> so, so, so there you have it. But none of my clients ever had to work for food and divorce. And even children in a divorce action are usually resilient and people land on their feet. Yeah, that's what I found too. And if you're really, if you're listening to this and you're really thinking about um, filing for divorce and the financial stuff is really what's holding you back. It's definitely worth having a consultation and figuring out what your options are because nobody should really be living that way. Um, and happiness is worth 
that much more. So great pearls um, of wisdom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pearls of wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you, I'm going to link in the show notes. You can get in contact with both Anthony Urbani uh, at Urbani and Marshall, and we will link again phone number, website. And Jennifer Adelhawk at Adelhawk and Associates, if you would like to have a consultation with either of them. And also, we are going to put together a webinar, the three of us, where we're going to continue this topic and dig a little deeper. And we will link the RSVP for that in the show notes as well. And then you can join us either live or listen to the replay and also submit your questions if you have particular questions that you would like to see us answer. We look forward to it. And uh Thank you guys so much for joining me Thank today. You. Thank Great you very much. Here. Thank you. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.